guys. Welcome back to Becoming Better Podcast. This is your host, Hope Moquin. And as always, I'm so grateful that you chose to tune in to today's episode. If you're new here and this is your first time ever listening to an episode, I tell people this all the time when I'm inviting them to church or something. I say, just come once, just listen once. And if you hate it, you never have to come back again. You can go somewhere else. And so if you don't like this episode at the end of it, you never have to listen again. But for the time being, I'm believing and I'm praying that this week specifically is for you who are listening. I believe that there is a word that God wants to speak to you, that there is something that he wants to shift in your heart. There is something that he may want to convict in your heart. I am just believing so much for this specific episode and the topics that we're hitting on that God wants to do something mighty in your life. He wants to do something powerful in your life. And I'm so grateful that he is using me to speak to you and that you're here listening right now. And so thank you so much for being here. And for those of you who have been here, I just cannot express my gratitude enough over the past few weeks and the support from you guys, our podcast, Becoming Better Podcast. I got a notification from Spotify. They sent me this little award thing that our podcast ranked number nine in all of spirituality and religion in the category on podcasts. And that is huge. I woke up one morning last week and we were ranked at number three, like under all of the podcasts in the United States for religion and spirituality, our podcast was ranked at number three. I was absolutely beyond myself. And I don't know if any of you can relate, but for me, I feel like I need to go back to counseling for this. Honestly, it is so hard for me to accept good things in my life. It is so rare that you'll see me getting excited about something because I don't know, I guess I'm so used to being let down and I'm so used to things not going the way that I anticipated them to go. And so you can ask all my friends, my husband, it's very rare that you will see me get overjoyed and happy and excited about something, which sounds so sad, but that's why I said, I think I need to go back to counseling. We all need to go to counseling through our lives. Just It's like after we get healed from an area, the Lord reveals something else. And then we realize, oh, we need to get help in that too. But it's okay. We're all on a journey. We're all on this progression. And so whatever, we're human. We got crap we got to work through. And so anyways, I hardly ever get really excited about something. But let me just tell you, when I woke up that morning and I went to go check the categories and we were ranked at number three, I just tears were just shedding from my eyes and I was like bawling in my bed while my husband was taking the dogs out. I was just crying in my bed. I had this big smile and I was just like, wow, God really does do it. Like he really does come through in all of the seasons that I was heartbroken and I was broke and I was struggling and I was depressed. I had all of these doubts of like, I knew what I felt in my heart that I was called to do, but it just never looked like it was ever going to happen. And for this to be such a small glimpse of his promises actually coming forward, it's just like, wow, like why did I ever doubt God? And I don't know. I was like happy for myself that I was excited about it because I don't ever hardly get excited if that makes sense. And so, yeah, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this journey and just your trust in me to be able to speak the word of God to you and to share my experiences and what I believe the word of God says and what I believe God wants to speak to you in this moment because he's always speaking. It's just a matter if we're always going to be listening or if we're always going to be in a position to be listening because our human flesh would be a little bit stubborn sometimes, if you know what 
I mean. There have been so many seasons where like I could feel God maybe speaking to me and I literally shoved it out of the way because I was so comfortable in my sin and I was so comfortable in what I wanted to be doing that I didn't want God to tell me that I was wrong. And I didn't want God to tell me that I should remove this person or this thing because why? I'm a human and we're all human. And it is a daily discipline to die to our flesh and to position ourselves to listen to the word of God so that we can become more in his likeness for the ultimate goal of representing him the best way possible to bring more people to his kingdom to rejoice forever and eternity with him when that day comes. And so for today's episode, I have had this idea marinating all week long that I have been so excited to share with you guys. And as I was preparing for this episode, I mean, I say preparing, um, I don't really know how valid that word is because (laughs) I don't know. I just, I sit and I pray and I worship a few minutes before I start recording and I just kind of go at it and I let, I let the Lord speak. And the idea that I've had is this concept of being planted, not buried because there's a big difference. And I feel like when we are in a dark spot, when we feel like we're overlooked, when we're feeling dry, it can be so easy to think that all of those dreams are dead and that we're overlooked and that we're not worthy. We're not worth it. It's never going to happen, but that's not always the case. And I would like to argue to say that that's actually rarely the case in those seasons when we're feeling overlooked, when we're feeling hidden beneath the ground, when we're feeling like we're in the back seat, like no one's ever going to pay attention to us. Like God is using everyone else except for us. It's not that you're buried and all these things are dead, but more times than not, it's that you're planted and you're in a season to grow. You're in a season for your roots to go deep, for you to be strengthened. So when that time does come for you to be seen and for the fruit to be shown, you're going to have the roots that are deep enough and strengthened enough to withhold whatever that is when that time comes. Because if you're waiting for something, you haven't gotten it yet. God probably knows that you're not in a position to steward it well yet, that there are still things that need to grow in you, that there are still things that he needs to prepare in you. And so if you are expecting something and you are waiting on something and you're like, God, why don't I have it yet? Like what's going on? Everyone else is getting this and I'm stuck and I feel depressed and I feel all these things. Maybe, just maybe God has you in a season of being planted, of getting your roots deeper of being strengthened up by his word and his spirit and his love. Maybe, just maybe, you have not received the thing that you're praying for because God knows you can't handle it yet. And that there are things he has to shape in you. There are things he needs to work out on you. There are people that you need to get around to get accountability. So when you do get that thing, you're not running wild and going crazy and that you don't lose it. And maybe, just maybe, God knows a little bit better then your human mind knows and his timing is perfect and his ways are higher than our ways. And maybe just maybe he's asking you to trust him and to trust the process. And when I sat down to record this podcast, I have been so passionate about this all week and just thinking about it. Instantly, I remembered that, you guys, my first ever actual real sermon that I preached, I was 19 and I was in a ministry college and we were in this back classroom. And I remembered that for our chapels, everyone was able to use a sanctuary. They could go on stage. They had the cool lights and everything. And then when it got time for my week, I remember that something had gone wrong in the sanctuary. So we had to go to the classroom. And the first sermon I ever put together was about David and Bathsheba. It's in 2 Samuel and we'll read it in a minute. But essentially, you guys know David. I talk about him all the time because he wrote majority of the Psalms and I love Psalms. But David was a little shepherd boy who was overlooked, 
who was always in the field, and everyone assumed that all of his brothers would get the opportunities before him. And then when they came looking for a king, they looked at all the brothers and they said, no, 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 none of these are it. Go get the other one who's in the field. So he gets brought in from the field and they're like, that's the one. That is God's anointed one. That is the one that we have come looking for. And so David had this background of being overlooked, of being this little shepherd boy, of being so considered less than that nobody saw his gifts. Nobody saw what God saw. And so therefore, I'm sure David felt like his promises were never going to come true, that he was always going to be like that. He probably felt buried. He probably felt forgotten. He probably felt looked over. And then in the due time, when God had appointed it, they came in and they said, I don't care who has what, who has what degree, who has what qualification, who looks the best, who has the best clothing, who has the most Instagram followers, who has the most, I don't care. This is the one that I want because God's hand was on it and the anointing of God was on him. And so therefore God brought him to the place that didn't matter what qualification somebody had, what opportunity someone had, whatever somebody had, When God calls you, he's going to come and get you. And at the right time, he is going to elevate you among everyone else. And people are going to be scratching their head like, what is going on? This shepherd boy who is working in the field, that's the one that they want? Yes, that's the one that they want because that is the one that God chose and God will have his way. And all you have to do is to keep your eyes focused on him, be faithful in what you have, and don't get discouraged in this idea that you're being buried when really you're just being planted for God to work his purpose out in your life. And in due time, in due time, God will always have his way. And so that was David's background, right? Being overlooked, being a little shepherd boy, herding sheep, probably smelling like poop with all of the sheep. So David, he smells like, we're working on my vocabulary. God is working in my heart for my vocabulary. So David was smelling like poop, for better use of terms. And then the king comes in, they're like, we want David. We want we want him. We want the mess. We want all of this because that's what God said. And so that was his background, right? Fast forward, now that David's walking in all of these things that God had for him, right? This is where I want to touch on a little bit of a twist and why I originally have been thinking about all week because it just is so important and I haven't talked about it yet. And whew, we're about to get honest in this episode because I'm about to let you in on something that I wish I would have known and I wish I would have grabbed hold on way earlier in my life because I have had some of my awful, most embarrassing, ignorant moments because of this. And so 2 Samuel chapter 11, read with me. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and Oh gosh, you guys ever read the Bible and you literally cannot pronounce some of the words? It says, and they ravaged the Ammonites and beside Rabbah. <laughs> sure, but David remained at Jerusalem. So I want you to catch that. So the, everyone went out, but it says, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And so David sent and he inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Hittite? Yeah, I told you guys. I don't know some of these words. So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. You know what that means? They slept together. Took their clothes off, slept together. Shouldn't have done that. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived... And sent and told David, I am pregnant. 
Um, so David goes and sleeps with this woman that he's not married to and gets her pregnant when he should have been out to battle, but he chose to stay back and then he slept with some girl. <gasps> David, David, David. David, David, David. Okay, I'm going to skip over a lot to chapter 12 and it's towards the end, right? David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who was born to you shall die. And then Nathan went to his house. Skipping down to verse 19 so we can use our time wisely. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. I know we're getting somewhere, but bear with me. David and Bathsheba ended up getting married, right? They had sex before they were married and that child had to die. Okay, this is an imagery thing that I'm going to I'm going to touch on in a little bit. After they got married, it says, "Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and laid with her." Okay, they slept together again. And she bore a son and they named him Solomon. Okay, so what is going on in this story is that we talked about David, the backstory of him, how he was a boy who worked with sheep. He was the youngest of eight sons. He was overlooked, but God wanted to use him and nobody was going to stop that. And then you fast forward and then David was king. He was walking in his calling. He held influence. He was in the prime time. Like he was doing it. He was doing all the things that he once prayed for and hoped for. And he was in it. He was walking in it. And so there David was following God, being a man after God's own heart. Acts 13, 22, it says, but David was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. He wanted to walk with God. And then what we just read, he fell completely on his face in blatant sin. And it wasn't even like somebody forced him or coerced him. It was he knew what he was doing. And I remember my first time when I read that whole story, the one question that I was asking myself was, where was his accountability as a king? Where was his friend? Where was the people in his circle to hold him accountable? Where was the friend to pull him on that battlefield when he didn't feel like it because everyone else went to go battle, but he stayed back. And then when he stayed back, what did he do? He fell into sin. Where was the friend to have that hard conversation of, hey, I know you might be worn out and hey, I know that your heart might not be in it in this very moment, but right now you got to go. You have to push forward because people are counting on you. People are looking to you and in your heart, you know that you need to go. Where, where are the friends to have that hard conversation? That's why the first episode we ever did on Becoming Better Podcast was you might need some new friends because friends are vital in your walk with God and end your life as a whole. They're vital. The thing about finally attaining the promise that you're praying for God about is that you have to have the right people in your life for when that comes. And I think the biggest misconception is that people really think that they can do it on their own and that they don't need people, that they have it figured out. And that is not true at all. And I remember reading this passage over and over and over again because it just didn't make sense to me. Like, why would the king not have anybody to hold him accountable? 
And then it dawned on me that perhaps it wasn't that there weren't any people to hold him accountable because he was David. People looked up to him. People saw what God was doing in his life. There were probably people around him constantly trying to make their way into his inner circle because they saw what God did and they're like, wow, like I want what you have. How did you get here? So perhaps it wasn't the fact that there wasn't anybody around to keep him accountable, but maybe it was that he wouldn't let anybody in. And I can relate to David so dearly. I feel like me and him, we get each other. Like if we sat down, I'd be like, I understand. I've done that too. I didn't go throwing rocks, killing giants, none of that crap. I didn't go, um, well, actually, I was about to say I didn't go sleep with somebody. But, you know, back in my BC days when I wasn't married, before I knew Jesus, I was acting up. And so, like, I understand. I understand, David. I get it. If you don't know, a leadership program took me in when I was 16 after I dropped out of high school. And that's where I found the Lord, dedicated my life, changed my life forever, right? I came back for a second year. Um, I was turning 18 that year. And when I came back for a second year, I was placed in a leadership position. I was overseeing youth. I had a group of first years that were under me. I was just, I was given so much at the age of 19. But in that second year in ministry school, I was doing it. I was walking in what I felt like my calling was at that time. I had put down the drugs. I had put away the boys. I was just on this relentless pursuit of Jesus. And I was crushing it. Honestly, I really was. God was speaking to me. There were things that just were beyond my mind of how much my life could change in one year. And the thing about this school, which is just, mind-blowing to me is that it was built where you were almost forced to have accountability, where you had people checking in on you all the time. Like you didn't have an option. People were going to check in on you. Halfway through my second year, Christmas break came around and I went back home to visit some friends in Georgia. And on that trip, I had met a boy and granted I was clean of everything for about a year and a half. I wasn't dabbling in anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. And on that Christmas break, I had people texting me and checking in on me because people know like how serious breaks are when you're in a intense Christian environment 24 seven, the moment you have a break, a lot of people end up going a little bit crazy and falling on their face. And so people were texting me, checking in. And you know what I did? I ignored them. I didn't text back anybody. And you know what happened on that Christmas break? I met a boy. We ended up sleeping together. I ended up doing drugs again, not hard drugs, but I ended up doing stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing again. I started drinking and then I go back to my ministry school after break and I went in this downward slump where I could not seem to find my way out of it at all. And me being a 19 year old girl with my emotions, trying to follow my heart instead of the spirit of God, I tried to pursue a relationship with that boy that I met in sin. And in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to work because I'm going to share sermons with him and we're both going to get our lives together and it's just going to be perfect. No, 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 no. He ended up cheating on me when I went on a mission trip. And so that was a whole other story. I was doing my thing. I was walking when I felt God called me to do. And because I didn't have accountability, because I didn't let people keep me accountable, I fell back into everything that I originally left to follow Jesus in the first place. And it was so hard to get back up on my feet because I felt so much shame and so much guilt and all of these things. And I'm telling you, it wasn't until I chose to cut that relationship off. It wasn't until I chose to to distance myself and separate myself from all of those things that I dabbled in again when I fell into sin, I had to choose 
to put that away. I had to choose to bury that, to actually bury that, not plant that, because there's a difference between you want to go plant something to go dig up later and to bury it and to leave it in the grave. I had to choose to bury that before I felt and I saw God bring me to another level, before I saw and I felt God actually begin to heal stuff in me. I had to choose to put it in the ground and to not touch it again. And so going back to this story with David and Bathsheba and all of this stuff, I can almost guarantee that every single person who is listening, you have found yourself in a situation before where you knew what you were doing was sinful, but you kept on doing it because your human flesh felt good about it and your human flesh talked you into it. And you pushed aside that still small voice of God and you did what you wanted to do. There's no, I'm not judging you. I've done it. I literally just shared. I've done it more times than I would like to admit. I've done it. Okay. We're human. But I want to point out in verse two from the first scripture that we read, it says, David arose from his bed and walked on the roof. I did some research because I love to know the original context of the Greek words in the Bible to give a better understanding of what the scripture is trying to share to us. And you know, the Hebrew verb of the form walked, you know what it says? It suggests that David paced back and forth, suggesting that he couldn't sleep and he was uneasy. Why would he be uneasy if his whole team is out to battle? and He's back at the house. Why would he be uneasy? Because he knew he wasn't where God wanted him to be. He knew he wasn't doing what God had called him to do. And so obviously, when your heart is intertwined with God, you're going to feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit and you're going to be uneasy. Your stomach isn't just getting sick on its own when you're at a party you're not supposed to be. Your stomach isn't just getting sick on your own when you're biting boy over when he shouldn't be. Your stomach isn't getting sick on your own when you're snapchatting boy you shouldn't be. Your stomach is getting upset and you're feeling uneasy because the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction back to your mind of saying, hey, I have a better way for you. Hey, I have a purpose for you. Hey, I have plans for you. Don't let your flesh get in the way and backtrack you when I have good plans in store for you. He was uneasy because he wasn't where God wanted him to be. It's not just a little stomachache. It is God trying to get your attention to remind you that his way is better than your way. And if you would listen to him and draw near to him, he will keep you on the straight path, the path of righteousness, the path of holiness, the path of purpose. If you follow your little fleshly mind in your heart, you are going to end up in a dark whole. And actually, you probably will end up getting buried if you refuse to listen to the voice of God. And so when he's pacing on this roof and he sees a woman, um, he knew what he was doing. You can't tell me that he didn't know what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And it says in your Bible that Bathsheba was very beautiful, that she was very tempting. And so when David saw her, it says that he sent and he inquired about her. It was Bathsheba's beauty that made her tempting. But the real strength of temptation does not lie in the quality of the tempting object, but in the state of the heart and the mind of the one who is being tempted. In this story, the man after God's own heart went against his own heart. But it doesn't stop there. And that is the beauty of redemption in God, of how even when we do fall, even when we do attain the promises that God has for us and we fall a little or we stumble, that God is a God of mercy and grace and that he has a plan for those who look to him and who love him. You need to go back and read this chapter for yourself because I didn't read all the details, but at the end of chapter 11, you'll find out how David had Bathsheba's husband Uriah murdered. David was crazy. And shortly after, he married Bathsheba and they bore the son in which they had conceived together earlier. So David gets Bathsheba pregnant, then he has her husband killed, and then they have a kid together. So 
that just sounds like a very messy lifetime movie or something. Um, something that I wouldn't want to be in because that's very, very chaotic <laughs> to say the least. In chapter 12, that was the short passage of scripture that we read together. It's talking about how God sent a prophet named Nathan to David. And we'll read it again. It says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. And so with accountability, the first step in all of this is that you see a beautiful thing where David, he confessed. God sent him someone to be accountable to. And David confessed what he had done. If you don't talk about what you're struggling with, if you don't talk about the thing that is keeping you up at night, the thing that you know you're tempted with, how is anybody going to know to check in on you about it? How is anybody going to be able to bring that to light with you and to constantly keep you in check with it? Because if you think that you can just do it on your own, good luck, shoddy. I don't know how well that's going to work out for you in the end. I feel like you're going to end up, maybe, hopefully not in a scenario as crazy as this, but I definitely feel like you'll end up in something that you don't want to be in. So David confesses his sin to a brother. He confesses his sin to somebody. Then what happens next? This is so powerful. This is an imagery of what our spiritual lives look like, okay? An imagery of what our spiritual lives look like. Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, because by this deed, because of this sin, you have utterly hurt the heart of God. It says scorn, but we're going to say hurt the heart of God. The child who is born to you must die. And what that is saying, what that is representing to believers and people who follow Christ is that whatever is birthed out of sin in your life, it must be put to death before you can move forward in what God has for you. Is that easy? Um, No, not at all. Is it hard? Absolutely. But is it worth it? 100%. Whatever is birthed out of sin in your life, It has to be put to death, buried in the ground where you're not going to touch it again before you can move forward in what God actually has for your life. And it has to be your choice. David confessed his sin to somebody. He put to death what was born out of sin. And then what did he do? This is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. In verse 20, it says, David got up from the floor. He washed his face and he combed his hair. He put on a fresh change of clothes. Then he went into the sanctuary and he worshiped. After everything, after this shepherd boy was overlooked, walked in his calling, blatantly sinned, and went against the heart of God, he took the right steps to get back up. And then he went to the sanctuary and he worshiped because all it takes is just getting back up and meeting Jesus again. Sometimes it takes putting out your hands with everything that you have held on so tightly, your pride, your hurt, your insecurities, everything, and just putting it out and dropping it at the altar, reaching out to God with your hands, and and sometimes saying, here's my battered heart, God. Please don't mind the scars. Please don't mind the wounds. It hurts, God, but you can have it. I really want it, God, but you can have it. Or this one, "It. I know it took me a while, God, but I'm here, and you can have it. Take it. I think a lot of people think that when they give something to God, that they have this fear they're never going to get something like that again, or they have this fear that they're never going to get something better, or that they have the best that there is, and so therefore they don't want to give it up. But you see at the end of that chapter, after he marries Bathsheba, God gives them 
another child. And so it's like when we can trust God to put away the things that we put together in our sin, God wants to give us something greater. God wants to give us His purpose, His plan, His gifts. He wants to give it to us with the hand of God, not us force it with our hands. There is so much truth and there is such a beauty of when you can understand when you're planted and not buried. But when that time comes for your fruit to begin to show, when that time comes for you to begin to walk in the thing that God has called you, you can't do it on your own. And so there's two sides to it. Up One, understanding you're not going to be down forever. You're not going to be overlooked forever. You're not always going to be passed by that. God is going to raise you up when it is the right time. But when it is that time, you need to make sure that you are in a place where you can withstand everything that's going to come with that, that you have the right people in your place, that you are seeking wisdom, that you are seeking God, that you are not going to position yourself where you're not going to be somewhere where you're supposed to be, where you're going to fall into sin. You have to be so strengthened up by the word of God. You need to be so disciplined in your daily habits. You need to be disciplined in your friendships who are going to be next to you, who's going to hold you accountable because you can't do it on your own. The Bible says that there is an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion looking to who he can devour. And you know how he's going to devour you? When you're not where you're supposed to be. When you're in environments you're not supposed to be, when you're not making God the center, the enemy knows that and he is searching around just waiting for the moment to come in and put something right in front of you that he knows is going to tempt you, that he knows is going to get you to fall. And then the moment that you even leave that door slightly cracked open, he comes running in, he's going to yank you right back into everything that you were once in. And so in those seasons of being planted, not buried, you seek God. You get that structure in your life. You praise Him and you thank Him for the thing that He's doing because He knows that He is creating something in you that's going to withstand those hard times. That is not just a time to sit and cry about how everyone else is getting all these opportunities. It's not a time to sit and throw a pity party for yourself that you're not being used and everyone else is doing. No, it is a time for you to get serious with God, to get that daily devotional time set in stone, to get those guardrails in your life that are going to keep you out of places that are not meant for you. Because when that time comes, when you're walking and everything that God has for you and he starts taking you to all these places that you can never even dreamed of, you better make sure that you're ready for it. There's another story that I'll share maybe in a few episodes of even later on in my Christian walk where I didn't have my guardrail set up when I should have and I fell flat on my face again. And so I have had time after time of falling on my face. And let me tell you, it's not fun. It's not fun because it can be avoided when you learn how to keep God in the center. And that's why I'm so passionate now. That's why I don't care if I sound crazy. I don't care if I sound Christianese. It is not a freaking game. There is a God who put breath in your lungs. There is a God who has a plan for your life. There is a God who wants to do these great things in your life, who wants to do all of these things. And there is also an enemy who doesn't want to see any of that happen. And so he's going to send people your way. He's going to send things your way. He's going to do whatever he can to get you off track because because he knows the power that will be within you with God when you stay on track. When you keep God at the center, you are going to do powerful, powerful, powerful things. And the enemy knows that. And you have to make the choice to say, I want God more than anything else. That in the season of being planted, I will seek him with all of my heart. I will put him first. I will do whatever I can to make him the center. Because when that time comes, because I know it will come, because of the word of the Lord proves true. God is faithful. God is for you. There will be a time where he brings you in front of everyone and he anoints you and he brings you into the thing that he has prepared 
for you. When that time comes, you have to make sure that you have your guardrails set in stone to make sure that you can withstand the attacks from the enemy because it will come. It absolutely will come. You are not excused from it. You do not get to bypass it. Actually, the closer you get to God and the more you start doing for God, the more the enemy wants to come and attack you. So you better make sure that you are set in a position to win, to bring people to Christ and to represent his name well, because people will be looking at you and you get the holy privilege and the honor to represent our King Jesus right and to have those guardrails set up so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. God is for you. You are not buried. You are just planted. However, there might be things in your life that need to be buried and not planted. And you need to determine what is what and seek God to figure out what he wants to do in your life and through your life. God is for you. He loves you. And there is a great plan right ahead for you. You are on your way directly towards it. Man, I hope that God spoke to your heart through this episode. I thank you so much for being here. And hey, if this episode ministered to you, go ahead and share it on your socials and tag us. It literally makes my week when I see who's listening. It makes my heart so happy. And hey, if you're listening to this and you're like, I just need some guidance. I need some help. I have a few resources that I have made specifically for you guys. I know I talk about our membership group and I love that. That is my time to hang out with you guys and just get to know you. And so if you want information on that, that will be in the show notes. And then I also also offer coaching where I do individual one hour calls with you guys. And that's all on our links on our social media. And I'll put in the show notes too. But hey, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Just reach out to me and I'd be so happy to talk to you. But hey, thank you so much for listening. I seriously love each and every one of you so much. I pray for you frequently. And I'm just so thankful that you choose to be here every single week. And so as always, I will catch you right back here next Tuesday for a brand new episode. All right, bye.